0: Hello, and welcome to PathPod. This is our next episode of Beyond the Scope. Today our host, Dr. Kamran Mirza of Loyola University, takes us down under for a special episode where he talks to Australian pathologist Dr. Ruth Gupta and Dr. Katerina McKenzie of Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney. We'll hear their conversation about the common issues in the pathology pipeline and the amazing efforts that the Royal College of Pathologists of Australia is doing to mitigate these problems. We'll also hear about their common work with the International Collaborative of Pathologists. Now here's your host, Dr. Mirza. This is PathPod.
1: Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Scope. My name is Kamran Mirza, and today we will be continuing our discussion on the pathology pipeline. This is a very special episode that is taking us down under to Australia where we will be speaking to two senior pathologists who are raising the profile of pathology in their country and around the world. Guests today are Dr. Katrina McKenzie and Dr. Ruta Gupta. Dr. McKenzie is a senior staff specialist in anatomical pathology at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney and an associate professor at the University of Sydney. She is current chair of the RCPA academic committee tasked with raising the profile of pathology with medical students and junior doctors. Her subspecialty interests include gastrointestinal pathology, liver pathology, and transplantation pathology. Dr. Ruta Gupta is a senior staff specialist in anatomic pathology at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney and a clinical associate professor at the University of Sydney. She is the founding member of International Collaborative of Pathologists, an initiative aimed at raising awareness about the medical discipline of pathology amongst the general community and medical students. Her subspecialty interests include head and neck pathology and molecular pathology. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. And- yes, really, great to be here.
1: I'm very excited to speak to you both about the pathology pipeline. Uh, Many of our speakers, uh, many of our listeners will know that we know each other through the International Collaborative of Pathologists, and it's been such an interesting journey to realize that across the globe, uh, there are similar problems to the pipeline that pathology is facing, and I'm so inspired by the work that you're doing. Uh, the work we've been discussing with our colleagues in the UK, in India, and also in the United States. And I love that we are coming together as a collaborative to, uh, you know, really attempt to thwart any other issues that pathology faces uh, as it comes to medical student career choice, etc. So I thought it would always be interesting, it is always interesting to start with your own paths towards pathology. Uh, We find that medical students obviously aren't very you know it's not convenient for them to be exposed to pathology and so uh, tell our listeners let's start with what brought you to pathology a kind of your journey towards it if we could start with you dr gupta
2: sure so basically i must say that we were taught by a practicing pathologist however there were no lab visits we did have to look at a bunch of slides and pots and they did figure in our exams but uh, we did not actually ever get an opportunity to see what a pathologist did in their day-to-day work. Uh, pathology was not something that I was considering as a career choice at all. I actually wanted to do uh, pediatrics. And as a part of that, I started working with a medical oncology or a pediatric oncology group at the end of my internship Um, on a research project. Um, At that time, uh, treatment of small round blue cell tumors in pediatrics was evolving and um, different tumors would get different treatment depending upon their tumor type. Um, The study group included about 111 children and my main job was basically to chase after them, ensure that they were getting all of their tests. All of the reports were coming back. All of the reports were entered into the database. The medical, the pediatric oncologists got the reports. And as a part of that, I basically saw that there was this entire department of people very specialized in what they did who spent a lot of time very critically looking at the specimens right from the time the specimens were taken out of the child's body to making slides. They did a lot of special tests. They would read a lot and then they would put together a beautiful report. And it was that report that decided what the treatment was. And as the study progressed i even saw that depending upon the classification the children either responded to or did not respond to the treatment and that made me think that there is this powerful discipline which actually calls the shots in medicine they are the ones telling everyone what it is that they're supposed to do they're the ones who actually guide patient management and it was that at that point that i decided this is what i want to do this is where I want to call the shots in medicine. And that was my path to pathology. And I've never looked back.
1: And I'm uh, very grateful that that happened and that you uh, participated in it. That's wonderful. Uh, You're (laughs) such an important part of the house of pathology. Uh, Dr. McKenzie, what about you?
3: So interestingly, I'm a a genetic pathologist in the sense that my grandfather was a pathologist. Um, He was a professor of pathology at Edinburgh University. Um, Sadly, I never met him because he was sent to West Africa to help set up a medical school there and died of Lassa fever, which is an Ebola-like virus. Um, So it was something that, you know, was always, I guess, on my radar during medical school. Um, and I, I enjoyed it as a medical student, but even though I had a relative who was a pathologist, I really didn't actually realize there was a career associated with it, if that makes sense. You know, we'd see these interesting pots and slides, and I thought, that's cool. But I, I, you know, I didn't know it was a, a job, if you like. So I went on to do my intern and resident years. In Australia, we don't go straight to training programs. You know, we have these sort of couple of years where we, where we do rotations. And it was during my oncology term, I started to have more to do with pathology. And I still remember, you know, I was asked to chase, you know, as a resident, chase up results and whatnot. I remember going to look at some slides with a pathologist, um, Bob Eckstein, who's now retired, and he just looked down the microscope and he said, oh, I think that's a malignant fibrous histiocytoma." which I don't think exists anymore, right? But anymore now, but, you know, I thought, that is just amazing, you know, that he can just look down and, you know, make this diagnosis. Um, I still actually applied for physicians' training um, and was, you know, accepted on the scheme, but at the same time actually applied for pathology. And I I guess I just started speaking to some pathologists and getting more of an idea of, you know, what the career was. And I thought, actually, you know, this is what I wanted to do. I liked um, neurology, you know, and but I think what I liked about it was just that I guess the chase of the diagno you know, the chase of getting a, getting to the diagnosis. Um, so I think that's something I really like about our jobs that you know, we see these amazing and interesting cases, as well as of course bread and butter work, but it's that sort of um, um, intellectual chase you know to get to the diagnosis and then, and then as Ruth has also said the, the impact that that then has on patients you know there is this sort of prevailing stereotype that we don't talk to other people but you know we're such key members um, of the team and we work like you know my, the pathology labs my second family we're, we're working with people all the time
1: such powerful paths both of you have, Uh, and it's interesting anecdotally, if we consider the variety of medical students, for example, I've spoken to, you know, they bring in similar stories. The the fabric is very similar, either they've been been somehow aware of the laboratory in one way or the other by a family member, for example, um, or they witnessed the aha moment that both of you seem to have witnessed where all of a sudden the jigsaw puzzle where you know the the importance of pathology in a patient's life kind of fits into place and I remember one of my own students they he kind of described it as he remembers that the, there was a frozen section occurring and the surgeon had to wait for the frozen section results and he paints this amazing picture where the surgeon is in full scrubs and the, the patient is open and the surgeon's hands are just holding one another like you know he's just waiting for the result from the pathologist because that is going to change the manner management intraoperatively. And I think that every single person, if they have this kind of aha moment, it isn't so much so that they become a pathologist. I mean, while that would be great, but it would be wonderful if they could all have that moment where they understand what, you know, what role we play in that healthcare team. Uh, and, I, and I love your stories. I think that they're really wonderful and powerful. And so luckily, both of you found pathology. Uh, so let's pivot a little bit though. And This doesn't happen to everyone, all our medical students. uh, They don't, they're uninitiated, usually when they start medical school, they don't know about us. You know, and our role is specifically, what we can do for the patient, and more and more, at least in the United States curriculum, what we're finding is that the preclinical years, where pathology is usually taught, is being compressed. And we know that it's an integrated curriculum, which is great because it's part and parcel of medicine and other things. Uh, but then, you know, if they don't take an elective experience, they will. They may actually complete medical school without knowing where the lab actually is, w- without seeing a pathologist. And so let's talk about now, now that we're looking back as like faculty members, what do we think are the biggest obstacles in uh, helping our medical students think about pathology as a career
3: choice? Um, I think it's, it's not that they, as you've said, it's not that they think, oh, maybe I'll do pathology, maybe I won't. It's that it's not even considered at all because of the lack of awareness that, um, you know, there is a a career option in this, in pathology. Um, We've had a lot of issues with, um, we've got a funny mixture of postgraduate and undergraduate courses in Australia with very varied teaching between the universities. Um, But it is, you know, by many students seen as a, I guess, a fairly dry preclinical subject rather than a a, a clinical, um, clinical, discipline. So I think there are, as I'm sure we'll talk further, there are issues at all levels from all levels from lack of appreciation at a societal level of what pathologists, you know, do um, for the care of patients. I think most or many of our colleagues in in the universities don't understand what we do. Um, So I guess no wonder that the students don't um, understand um, what we do Either, um, and and it's you know compounded by some of these TV shows showing pathologists as these um, you know basement dwelling autopsy lovers or something you know um, that um, doesn't help us. So there's a lack of emphasis in university curricula, um, and it's not often, certainly in Australia, actually taught by practicing clinical pathologists. Um, which compounds the, the, the problem further.
1: No, absolutely. I completely agree. I think it's, it's yes. in, uh, in a TV series where, uh, you know, this jack of all traits uh, physician can also be the pathologist on the side. You know, that that really irks me. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my wife is a pulmonary yeah. critical care physician. And whenever they're like coding someone, she's looking at the rhythm, like the heart rhythm on the monitor. And she's like, that's not the right way to code. them." like, you know, because obviously, ev- every medical <laughs> drama obviously yeah. needs a better advisor, I'm sure. And similarly, when when they're, you know, when it's CS or something, and they're moving, you know, they're using pipettes and they're moving water. I can tell it's water from like one thing to another thing, and I'm like, this isn't what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, so it definitely compounds the problem. Ruta, if I could continue with you, I think, so, you know, obviously there are some obvious things. Are there any other things that we need to consider as big obstacles for medical student career choice of pathology?
2: I completely agree with everything that both you and Katrina have said and very good points. At the societal level, the society does not really understand what it is that we do. A lot of them think that it's all done by machines and we essentially turn up to the lab at four o'clock and sign out whatever it is that the machine has printed out during the day. Um, there So it starts from that point where we try to change how the society perceives. It starts with terminology where we talk about reading pathology results. It actually is not simple reading of printouts, but putting together a lot of complex medical data which takes people several years to learn how to understand and interpret and then generating a report. Um, I think As Katrina said, the students really do not have any exposure. And while we all saw slides and pods, it would be nice if they could walk in and out of a pathology department, the way they can walk in and out of a ward. If our doors were open to them in the same fashion and they felt as comfortable in a pathology department as they did on the wards, that would be fantastic. And while there are, pressures for the university and because this course is compressed, we do have to uh, buddy up with other disciplines and pathology fits into that so well because pathology contributes to care in about 70% of all medical decisions. We can buddy up with just about every discipline to deliver pathology. And besides, and in addition to, in addition to that, we can also buddy up with other disciplines to be a part of the exam. So, the OSCE can actually have interpretation of pathology, reports of pathology slides. So, we do not really need our own time, but just buddying up with lots of disciplines. And actually, it helps to show how integrated pathology is to the entire practice of medicine.
1: I love that and it it segues really nicely to the next question that i was going to ask you about what steps we can be taking you know to improve this perception of pathology and laboratory medicine in general i love this idea of buddying up because in many ways you're absolutely correct It, it seems unlikely despite our efforts it seems unlikely that there will be enough time in a medical school curriculum to carve out for pathology alone so we will almost always be in a position where we have to find our place within another place and i love how you portrayed it in that it's the best specialty to buddy you know to buddy up with anything right because many people say mm. that if you like everything become a pathologist because there is a little bit of everything in pathology um, and we've tried similar things for example uh, one of the things that i was considering was perhaps even in an elective form, maybe we can have, let's say, a diagnostics elective where we partner with radiology and, you know, they come spend a month with us. And where what happens is that they they flip-flop from the radiology department to the pathology department where they can follow a lesion from radiology to its biopsy to its read, right? And so it would be a really convenient, almost like a diagnostics elective where, you know, mm-hmm. we're buddying up. But just like you mentioned, like both of you mentioned, we take that first step towards kind of becoming commonplace in their thinking. Right now, it's mm-hmm. like there's no box. They think urology, OB-GYN, psychiatry, you know, dermatology. There's no box right now which specifically says, oh, you know, I could consider becoming a pathologist. So perhaps one of the ways to address it is to kind of see it in context of other disciplines that they're more aware of, which I think is a very unique kind of aspect. So, Ruta, if I could continue with you, perhaps, then what do you think, you know, if we were to strategize short term, kind of intermediate term, long term, what do you think could be some steps that we can take to kind of, uh, you know, make things better for the pipeline?
2: As you've said, it is a, it is going to be a long journey. It is going to be uh, multi-pronged approach tackling the question from all sides in the short term what you have done with the virtual student interest groups and uh, medical student pathology societies is excellent and it is very inspiring and uh, we've taken inspiration from you on that front and uh, started a student interest group or a pathology society at the university of sydney It would be very nice to spread the practice across and have a pathology student group at just all medical universities. The point is not to make all of them pathologists, but even if they want to go down into surgery, dermatology, medicine, transplant, what have you, it would be good to have a place where they get some exposure to what it is that a pathologist does and how a pathologist could actually improve or help them in their practice. So having a student interest group at society, at um, the university level would be a good start even small things like reaching out to the universities exactly as you've said to let them have resident terms to let them to let the interns have elective terms in pathology would go a long way to opening up our departments to having them come in and see cut up from anecdotal experience People love to see cut up. That is a big selling point with pathology. The more people who come and see cut up, the more fans we will have budding up with radiologists, with surgeons, with renal physicians. So all of that would go, it's actually both short term and uh, medium term on the long-term basis we do need to make changes at grassroots levels we do need to have more awareness amongst the school students because it is the school students who then go on to form the hrs of the hospital to form the admins of the universities to become deans to become all of our medical colleagues and that's where we find our pathology trainees as well right so The way a year five school student will know what a surgeon or a pediatrician is, it would be wonderful to have that same familiarity with what a pathologist is, and that should be towards our long-term goal. I'm sure Katrina will be able to talk about what the Royal College of Pathologists of Australasia is doing towards this, and maybe I will let her tell us about that.
1: Katrina, I mentioned obviously that you have official roles at the ICPA where you're almost tasked to do this, you know, to do, do this particular thing where you're looking at engagement across different groups. And so uh, what what would you like to add to that, you know, specifically when it comes to uh, what steps we should be taking to make this change?
3: Ruth has uh, summarized it very well. It's, it's a, a complex, really complex problem that requires solutions you know multiple you know solutions on multiple levels and i must say when i was asked to head this committee i felt over you know it was really quite overwhelming at first to think you know what do we even do and i think um i I've, i've used the term um pathology princess syndrome i think we were sort of in a sense waiting to be rescued but i think the only person who can raise the profile of pathology is pathologists and it's Something we have to um, you, uh, really work hard to do, as we've said, it's difficult to change the universities and the curricula, so we need to take every opportunity we can um, to engage with medical students on as many in, you know in as many different ways um, as we can. Um, So, uh, I guess additional things we're considering in in the shorter term are things like getting involved in every careers day um, in the um, universities throughout Australia, making sure that there's a um, pathologist presence, um, providing scholarships and prizes for for students, um, including attending our meetings, looking at ways to provide curriculum support to pathologists teaching in some of the the newer universities um, who don't have. You know much much support I' um, so sort of thinking you know should we have some centralized resources and things that we can um, do for people um, and then as we've alluded to um, getting as many elective terms um, you know getting students in the lab as much as possible um, through um, elective terms um, laboratory um, placements um, we've both been working with you know our university to try to i guess get more pathology in the curriculum where we can. So something we've started just the last couple of weeks is they do a community term with the general practitioner. So we've actually organised for students to come and visit the lab during that term and then trying to fish out things, you know, like biopsies of celiac disease or helicobacter pylori gastritis, um, skin cancers, which are really common in Australia, you know, the things that they'll see in GP practice just to make it you know, understand where where we fit in and make it relevant. And then as you know, the, the student interest groups, students seem to really value the research opportunities. So any, any opportunities we can, we try to get them involved in those. So I guess anything to raise our visibility, um and engagement um the rcpa is considering as well as a and you're really the expert on this um trying to raise um social media social media presence as well seems, i guess there's a sort of reluctance to you know get involved with you know but i think they're really valuable in um getting you know getting us um out there there more um so yes i think you know as we have said changing the universities is really difficult you know the really crowded curriculum but i think there is a lot we can do working around that you know we have to be a bit clever about it i guess
1: and you know, speaking about being clever about it, I love the fact that both of you—at least I know this—and I want our viewers to know this too. You, it isn't just that you've gone about this in an anecdotal fashion. You have even gone forward and done a survey, a pretty broad survey, right? Because unless you can actually survey the people who are your stakeholders in a way and find out what uh, what the issues are at the ground, like you know, at the grassroots levels, then you can't necessarily, you know, uh, plan or strategize what the changes need to be and so Katrina maybe I mean I'll open it to both of you uh, but tell us about the survey any preliminary results I understand that it isn't published yet and so keep all the cool data for the publication it's totally fine but just give us an idea of you know kind of how the survey was put together what you know you asked and what some preliminary findings were
3: yeah so it started off I guess like many of these projects as a, a simple thing we thought we'll sort of survey some pe- you know some students and see, you know, why they may or may not be interested in pathology. But of course, it became a much um, bigger project. And I'd really like to thank our residents, um, Fran, Fran Watts and Tim Fielder, who have done, you know, all the, all the hard work from this. So we ended up surveying Australian medical students, residents and registrars, and as well as practicing pathologists to try to work out why people do or 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 don't um, choose a career in pathology and the barriers um, to recruitment in australia Uh, so we got over 1200 responses i guess the drivers um, in terms of choosing pathology um, people who value um, research opportunities more likely to be interested in pathology as well as intellectual stimulation and the ability to achieve a work-life balance was also very highly rated by um, students and junior doctors. The main reason for, I guess, not considering pathology um, was the lack of patient interaction. Um, And I think even that's misunderstood because it's just a different way of interacting with you know, I think it's just, again, seeing us as other or separate rather than being, you know, integral um, in patient care. Um, but the, the, I guess the more important reason or most, the second most common reason for rejecting it was lack of exposure to pathology, which is where I think we can really take um, decisive um, action. I guess sort of backing up our, um, our um, pretest hypothesis, if you like, Um, We found that the role of pathologists was poorly understood with maybe a quarter not actually being of students and more worryingly qualified junior doctors not being, yeah, about a quarter weren't sure whether pathologists were actually doctors. You know, so there's um, clearly um, work to be done there, and some really pervasive negative stereotypes um, about our discipline. Mainly that it was a, a waste of clinical skills. You know, that it was a waste of all this time. You know, you'd spent at university if you became a pathology uh, pathologist. Um, Interesting, uh, in American literature, it's um, the sort of job market concerns have been cited, but for our students, that didn't um, seem to be um, so much of an issue. Um, So I guess, that are there any key findings I've missed, do you think, Ruta? No, I think you've covered them all.
2: And the two that came to us, which were a huge surprise, was that people, It was not that people gave it a thought and rejected pathology. It was that that it was not considered at all. And I I suspect one of the contributing factors to that is that they never thought of it as a medical discipline. Because that was certainly shown by the results that 25% were not aware that pathologists were practicing doctors. So... A lot of work to be done on both those areas, a very interesting stereotype that we have, and we all refer to it in very, in, in, um, various ways, uh, we are thought to be introverts. But when you look at the residents who self-identified themselves as introverts and then either went into pathology or did not go into pathology, there was no statistically significant difference. So obviously, it takes all personality types to make a discipline. We see that in our everyday practice, but it was good to see that as a part of the results of the survey as well.
1: I really, I can't wait for you guys to publish it so that I can actually use that as evidence to reference that you know what, this is <laughs> a bogus statistic. And there is a publication that shows you that uh,
0: yeah, 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 it's yeah.
1: completely bogus because right now, like, you know, we, we try and keep pushing this idea of, no, no, we're all very outgoing, but there's, no, you know, but people need data. So you know what, I can't yeah. wait to reference your publication. And, and it's so interesting because similar to the introvertedness Students' affairs in medical school will be like, well, you know, this person has community or her communication skill isn't excellent. She could become a pathologist. And I'm like, that's insane. Do you want like, let's say, God forbid, like your parent has colon cancer. And do you want someone with poor communication to be the person telling you that there's colon cancer, you know, for example, you know, I mean, it's, it's the it's the furthest from the truth about the communication issues, mm. or the barriers or the introversion or whatever. And I agree, I think that it's just across the board, every specialty has has its introverts and its extroverts. Uh, I can certainly say that the three of us are not introverted, which is great. Uh, And so that's perhaps why we're involved in all of these things, which is wonderful. Uh, which segues us now into uh, thinking about things from a, uh, an organizational perspective. Uh, you know, Katrina, you had mentioned, obviously, the RCPA and the work that you're doing. Ruta, you're all part of this uh, international collaborative pathologists, but you're really at the heart of it. You brought us all together. Uh, so tell us a little bit for our, for our listeners. Tell us a little bit about ICPath and kind of how it came about and what we're trying to achieve.
2: The International Collaborative of Pathologists, or ICPath, that we're all a part of, and that's actually what's brought us all together, uh, came about from this desire to make changes at the grassroots level and uh, from the identification of the fact that this is not an Australian problem, it is a global problem, um, when we were doing the literature review for the survey, we actually saw that there are studies from several countries and the main one is from Canada where they've shown that Um, lack of interest and visibility of pathologists leads to shortage in pathology workforce. And that has actually not only increased turnaround time, uh, increased hospital stay, but has also led to untoward side effects and errors, very undesirable errors. So we did think that we need to have a global Initiative. And the global initiative would also need supports of the various colleges, of the various uh, lead societies at the organizational level, as you said, to actually make real change. And that was the intention behind reaching out to all of the people that we have done. The long term goal is to have people from just about every country, whether English speaking or not, because I'm sure they have the same problem. The aim is, as I said, to reach out to the community, to reach out to school students, to reach out to medical students uh, with school students just little skits, little surveys, questionnaires that they can uh, fill in so that pathology gets on their radars, pathology gets on their parents' radars. Um, The College of Radiation Oncology has done something very interesting in Australia in that regards. They actually do career nights in schools and give them uh, little booklets, which not only include the radi- the doctor, but also the physicist and the technician. And we certainly can do that about pathology. Pathology discipline has so many other specialties. There are hematologists, genetists, anat- anatomic pathologists, molecular pathologists. There are scientists and technicians. So educating students putting it on the community's radar so that we become as much a norm as let's say a pediatrician or a surgeon. The second part was, of course, the medical students and Kamran, you're doing fantastic work with the medical students. We've got an amazing council. All of them seem to be so dynamic and so hardworking and so keen and basically spreading the word amongst the medical students so that they don't think of pathology as a black box. Somewhere where the sample goes and then a printout appears. And apparently we've read something to put that printout together. Dispelling all of those myths and that's where ICPAT was born. And that's the aim to take forward the scope of work. Katrina, Cameron, please add on whatever I may have missed. It's, it's a shared, it's a common goal.
3: When I started working with the college, it's a, a huge and open goal, and I think it's really good that we're starting to get some more concrete plans, such as the, the the student group and looking at school surveys. Certainly the British and American colleges have done some great work already, and it's been really good to be able to hear their ideas and what they've done. I think we're all we're all working towards the same goal. So it's really good to be able to to work together.
1: I completely agree. I think that it is I have never said with more pride though, that I've been put to shame by the student council. I think our founders council has been put to shame because the student council, shout out to them of the International Collaborative Pathologists. They know who they are. They have been doing a fantastic job. And it really, you know, makes me feel so happy that, you know, the future is amazingly bright you know these amazing medical students mm. across the globe are coming together uh, you know and their presence on social media what they've already achieved i think i mean we're, we're very quickly we're lagging behind so we have to like uh, we have to <laughs> pull up our socks a little bit uh, as the founding members and, we do <laughs> yeah but i but i love that though i love that you know it's the it's the one time when i'm more than happy to be shamed by you know people because it it, it really just makes me so proud of the work that they're doing This has been so inspirational. Both of you are inspirations to me. I think you know people. uh, You know I am just so happy that we were able to share that voice with you know this global um, whatever audience we have for PathPod, which I which I really appreciate your time for. So at the end though, uh, we're going to lead a. Basically, you guys are going to lead us out of the podcast. And I typically like to put everyone on the spot just a little bit. Uh, And that spot is that I want you to think of uh, an elevator ride. Uh, You have uh, gotten in an elevator with an uninitiated medical student who has asked you what you do. And you have only five or six stories of the elevator ride to convince them with an elevator, like a literal elevator speech, about why they should either become a pathologist or why they should consider being a pathologist, or what you know, what you love most about your job. And so it is a little bit on the spot. The audience kind of knows already. This is my trick. I never give you guys time to think about it. Um, and Katrina, you will go first, and Ruta, you, you get a minute to think about it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, lucky ruther i guess i I, you know i'd ask them what they're thinking about um, doing as a career and i guess the thing you know you'd expect to hear are surgery or physicians because maybe pediatrics because that seems to be the only things people are aware of Um, if they asked me what i would do i'd say a pathologist and to say that i've never regretted making that choice that it's Maybe a less popular choice because people just don't know about it, Um, but it it has a fantastic work-life balance. I see my family on the weekends. I have time to go out for a run in the morning if I want to um, because I don't get, you know, called to theatre to stitch up a triple A at, you know, midnight Right. Um that it's really interesting that every day something comes across my desk that sparks my curiosity and you know I, I'm always looking up books, reading, um, learning more, and that I know when I, I put that report out there that it's going to make a difference to, to someone and that we're not a, we are in a lab but a lab's a family. And we're part of the medical ecosystem, you know, very important part of the medical ecosystem. There's no um, one part of that that's more important than another, you know. Without surgeons, we'd be in trouble. Yeah. Without pathologists, we'd be in trouble. You know, we're, we're all equally um, important and that, you know, they need to keep an open mind to all the possibilities right. of careers out there. Um, and even if you don't want to do it, you need to understand the medical ecosystem um, if you're going to be a good practicing doctor.
1: So that wasn't so hard. It seems like you've done it before. Fantastic. Ruda. it's on to you now to convince our medical student, uninitiated medical student.
2: So I actually have an elevator story. This is from another place when I was in training. And as you will see, from a completely different time than the one that we live in right now. Um, My boss and I were at a conference. And we were presenting at this conference. This is in a time when we could attend conferences in person. We had just finished and stepped into an elevator. There was a gentleman already in the elevator and I started having a coughing fit. It was polite in those days to cough in public. And the gentleman said, or rather he told my boss that she should take me to the hospital at which we worked. My boss was very surprised and she asked him why. And he went on to tell us a very interesting story. A couple of years ago, He was found behaving erratically on a construction site. He was putting himself and others around him at risk. The co-workers thought that he had arrived to work under influence, and the security and police were called in. That is what even the police thought, that he was under influence, and he was taken in for a battery of drug tests. All of these came back negative. And while he was with the police, he lost his ability to speak. So they brought him to the hospital at which we work for a CT scan. He had a CT scan which showed a lesion at the base of the brain. He was then scheduled for a surgery at around seven-ish the same evening. At this point, my boss and I looked at each other. This sounded very familiar, and we remembered a frozen that we had done on call. So a frozen section is where tissue is taken from the lesion and sent to a pathologist to make a diagnosis very rapidly while the patient is still under anesthesia. And we remembered this frozen section uh, arriving around 7.30 or so. It looked at that time like infection, acute infection, something that would be caused by bacteria. And my boss had reported it or called back the surgeon saying that's what it looked like. It was acute infection. Antibiotics would be very helpful. So the patient was started on antibiotics. What the gentleman told us was that around 1 a.m. in the morning, he saw this light coming towards him and he thought it was the heavens calling him. So he opened his mouth to respond and he found that he could speak. He, could, he also figured out that he could understand where he was and what was happening. He was so happy and grateful that he started singing. The way we had heard this from the surgeon the next day, when my boss called up to see what was, to discuss the case, was that the patient had been up all night on the words singing. So that's how the frozen section and the diagnosis actually helped someone, someone who was perceived to be a threat to themselves and others at their workplace, someone who lost their cognition and ability to speak, went through a wonderful recovery and was actually at a conference venue sharing an elevator with us. I cannot, what can be more fulfilling than a career that helps people in such a fashion?
1: So both of you, okay, both of you have convinced me, I want to do pathology. This is uh, really yeah. fantastic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, for anyone who is listening, who is uninitiated or is a health science student, a medical student, you have heard it here uh, from wellness in your life to an excellent balance of you know, work and life to uh, a- intrigue and mystery that we are solving every single day to the actual ability to make such a huge difference while we may not have those amazing elevator rides like Ruta did with her colleague and that patient. Uh, but technically, if you if you think about it, if we were to see our patients every day, these are the stories that we would have, like amazing stories about how pathology and like diagnostics changed patients' lives, right? And so we have to keep that front and center. Uh, and I hope that, the, you know, I, I love working with you guys. I. I think that the international collaborative will keep doing amazing things and I look forward to more collaborations Uh, and thank you very much for your time today.
3: Pleasure. Thanks so much for inviting us. us.
0: Support for the free PathPod podcast comes from listeners who like it and share it with their friends. So go ahead, send someone the link. And be sure to subscribe to Pod wherever you download your podcasts. PathPod is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not medical advice. As always on the podcast, any views expressed are solely those of the person speaking and do not necessarily represent their employers, their affiliated institutions, affiliated professional organizations, other speakers on the program, Their friends, their families, their pets, or anyone involved in the production and distribution of this podcast. Thanks for listening to PathPod.